strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Jen. I'm Robin. And tonight I'm going to talk about the bizarre history of breakfast cereals. I'm sorry. I didn't think that was even a funny statement. No, just, just the way you, like you presented it. Of breakfast cereals. Because it's so weird how just cornflakes came to be. Love it. Just the regular old cornflake, you know? Anyway, so I'm sort of going to talk a little bit about cornflakes, about the history of the Kellogg family, They're the Battle Creek. Great. That's Frosted Flakes. Is it? Same thing. So I'll talk a little bit about the Kellogg family, cornflakes, and the Battle Creek Sanitarium. I Do love you- this. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Robin, put down your phone. <laughs> yes, Frosted Flakes are also made by Kellogg, so Yay. it's okay. So you can do your Tony the Tiger impression. <clears throat> I'm just, I'm just going to do it when you least expect it. Okay, fantastic. The Kellogg family were members of the Seventh-day Adventist church who held strict ideals. Basically, they are against everything that you and I love, Robin. They are against their rules basically say no meat, no booze, no sex. Right? It's all about purity. What's left over in life? Cereal, apparently, is the answer to that. We will get there, though. It will be a long and winding road, but we will eventually get to the cornflake. So, um, John Harvey Kellogg was an American medical doctor, nutritionist, inventor, health activist, and businessman. Kind of sounds like a pervert. I mean, I don't think he was, but I agree that it does sound a little pervy. Sounds like he probably has a kid touching ban. I don't think he did, but yeah. So he and his brother actually quit school early under the guidance of their parents who believed that the rapture would come so soon that there would be no need for them to be educated any further. Um, I'm just thinking about all the money I could have saved Just on education. Take that, drink it in. Here's the positive. (laughs) Rapture comes. You don't owe any more student loan debt. Oh, my God. You just changed my mind. Best day ever. Thank you so much. Though later, John actually did, uh, was convinced by family friends to attend a six-month medical course at the Russell Trails Hygiotherapeutic College in New Jersey. So I'm just saying a six-month medical course. Sounds shady as balls. Hydrate. And then hygiotherapeutic. So it seems like hygiene and therapeutic. So it basically means like if you take a bath, you'll be healthy, I think is sort of the long and the short of this program. But regardless, so their goal was to develop a group of trained doctors for their Adventist-inspired Western Health Reform Institute in Battle Creek, Michigan. So in October 1876, Kellogg became the director of the Western Health Reform Institute. Uh, This was the hospital that had previously been formed by the church. And in 1877, Mr. John Harvey Kellogg decided he was going to rename the institute the Battle Creek Medical Surgical Sanitarium. And he cleverly coined the term sanitarium to suggest both hospital care and the importance of sanitation and personal health. The sanitarium combined aspects of the European spa, a hydrotherapy institution, and a hospital, as well as a high-class hotel. I don't buy any of that. Well, I mean, you know, we're gonna just... just I go back to my original just, statement. See, I know he's, he's a pervert. And we haven't even started talking about the enemas yet. Oh my god. Um, so Kellogg treated both rich and famous as well as the poor who could not go to other hospitals. Okay. Not the worst dude. So Kellogg was a major leader in the progressive health reform during the clean living movement of the late 1800s, early 1900s. The clean living movement. I mean, essentially like clean eating now, gluten-free, dairy-free, superfoods, acai berries, avocados. It it feels so similar. Yeah. Except they thought it was going to 
he is the first Whole Foods. Anyway, so just think about that, like, about today. I'm just thinking about chickpea pasta. So this is a period of time when the surge of health reform crusades, many with moral overtones, erupts into the popular consciousness. So basically, anytime there are these, like, clean living movements... It's usually about, like, trying to combat something that's going wrong in society. This results in individual or group reformers, such as anti-tobacco, alcohol coalitions of the late 20th century. I'm okay with uh, with no tobacco, but no alcohol. That could be a problem. So this results in individual or group reformers, such as prohibition, Mm -hmm. or as in, like, you know, like the 80s and 90s, suddenly everyone hated tobacco. So, like, that anti-tobacco movement. So it's all about this, like, work to, like, clean up society. So he wrote extensively on science and health. His approach to a biologic living, quote-unquote, combined scientific knowledge with Adventist beliefs, promoting health reform, temperance, and sexual abstinence. So Dr. John Kellogg, however, took the Adventist faith in the purity of the body to even further extremes. He was firmly convinced that sex itself was impure and harmful, and most especially the solitary vice of self-pollution of masturbation. Self-pollution of masturbation? The self-pollution of masturbation. He was really, really against masturbation. But this man was actually married and never consummated his union. He and his wife had separate bedrooms and they adopted many, many children. After um, a while, isn't it kind of no, no longer binding if you don't consummate? I, I could know. be wrong, but a lot of times if people are having problems with their marriage in, in, in law, oh, they, they say, what was your marriage ever consummated? They did not have a problem. She was on board. She was like, yo, great deal. Separate bedroom, nice house fantastic i'm in kellogg became famous across the country for his books condemning sex promoting celibacy and luridly describing the evil health effects of onanism which included everything from epilepsy to mood swings to dementia he was quoted as saying neither plague nor war nor smallpox have produced results so disastrous to humanity as the pernicious habit of onanism such a victim dies literally by his own hand among the treatments that Kellogg proposed for masturbation were piercing the foreskin with silver wires to prevent erections and using carbolic acid to burn the clitoris so that it wouldn't be touched. Oh my God. (laughs) Cornflakes, everyone. Are you fucking kidding me? He was basically neutering and spading people. I stand with my original statement. (laughs) He's a fucking monster. Well, it's like, so what has happened that you're this like not only do you, is it bad for you right so it's bad enough to be like you know what i think that masturbation is wrong so i'm not going to masturbate okay but then it's like okay well i'm a doctor and i say that masturbation is bad so i'm actually gonna pierce your foreskin with silver wires so that when you have an erection it essentially like causes pain i'm wondering what he does though like what he doesn't wake up in the middle of the night with morning wood or or he doesn't have any type of urges is he performing any of these rituals on himself i don't know i mean there, there's duct no tape it to his leg maybe maybe he just duct tapes it to his leg was duct tape invented yet robin oh 1942 so he did not duct tape it to his leg because duct tape was not Invented until 1942. So just, what, tie it with a rope? Maybe he just tied it with a rope. Around his thigh? Yeah. To the end of the wiener, around his thigh. I know, physiologically it just happens, I mean, a gust of wind can make, you know... 
Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Trying like, to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. <laughs> Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. So there is, that's probably the most intense thing that I'm going to say. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's not going to get pretty intense. It's not going to get worse from here. <laughs> it's really fucking intense. You put acid on someone's clitoris. Yeah. I can't. I mean, I understand I don't know that. if he... So there weren't, like, exact, like, accounts of him doing it to people. So I don't know how many or mm. if he ever did that or if he just used those as suggestions. I do know that, that you know, uh, there are a lot of cultures out there that they do perform different yeah, rituals he, on were, women because his, they don't want like the pleasure they just want the procreation right well you're talking about like female circumcision yeah. and i mean he doesn't even want the procreation those were his proposed ideas to like stop masturbation oh he didn't actually okay so i don't know if he ever did any okay, of that there's I mean, no he there's just no proof of him actually it. doing it i mean he thought about it so if he thought about it what it okay then like i asked earlier what is he doing to himself I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to get to cornflakes here. I'm just, it's a weird well, and winding you road. put a very, very difficult thought in my head. <laughs> now I'm just constantly thinking about what? this. Was it a hard thought, Robin? All right. So Kellogg also, amongst his strong feelings about not masturbating, he was also an early proponent of the germ theory of disease. So yay. He was like pro-science. I'm into that. And was well ahead of his time in relating intestinal flora and the presence of bacteria in the intestines to health and disease. The sanitarium approached treatment in a holistic manner, actively promoting vegetarianism, nutrition, the use of enemas to clear intestinal flora, exercise, sunbathing, hydrotherapy, and abstinence from smoking tobacco, drinking alcoholic beverages, and sexual activity. So one thing there is not like the others, I am aware that enemas sticks out like a sore thumb from that list of things. So basically, when you go to the sanitarium, you're just going to like eat well and you're going to take a lot of baths and you're going to exercise and like spend a lot of time in the sun. And someone's going to give an enema. And do a lot of fucking enemas. Right? So Kellogg believed that most disease is alleviated by a change in intestinal flora. That bacteria in the intestines can either help or hinder the body that pathogenic bacteria produce toxins during the digestion of protein that poison the blood, and that a poor diet favors harmful bacteria that can infect other tissues in the body, and that the intestinal flora is changed by the type of diet that you use, and is generally changed for the better by a well-balanced vegetarian diet favoring low-protein, 
laxative-inducing, and high-fiber foods. He even recommended various regimens of specific foods designed to heal specific ailments. So, so it's ACA, green tea berry, a lot of coconut oil. Right. Because coconut oil is lax- a lot of is things a the natural laxative. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just thinking that like, okay, so if someone can't have alcohol or sex, then the only pleasure that they will have throughout the day is an enema. I mean, the, the rectum is a, a center of pleasure. And then, and then the relief. That's that's the only thing I'm thinking. Everyone loves to poop. That's like, just think about how the happy people are after they poop. I mean, I'm always relaxed after I poop. So I'm just thinking, okay, if that's the, if that's the only way that they can actually be happy, then all right, go for it. I'm just pooping. Kellogg further believed that natural changes in the intestinal flora could be sped by enemas seeded with favorable bacteria. So he was like super on the probiotic train, like... 130 years ago he was like way into like the idea of probiotics so he advocated for frequent use of an enema machine to cleanse the bowel with several gallons of water so it's like the colonoscopy or no the colonic colonic he i think he kind of essentially invented the colonic Colonic. that they could be wrong all the water in it and then they just suck everything out i've been wrong before but Water enemas were followed by the administration of a pint of yogurt. Half was eaten. The other half was administered by enema, thus planting the protective germs where they are most needed and may render most effective service. Yogurt? Yogurt. Was it a fruit on the bottom? (laughs) I don't think this was the fruit on the bottom yogurt. What? This is like 1890s yogurt. I think it was just like straight up like fermented milk, like cottage cheese shit, like in a cup. Like we have friends who make their own yogurt. I don't know. I I take back the whole thing I said about an enema. Apparently that's not the best part of your day. So in the mouth, up the butt, yogurt. No, that's a whole, that's, that's a, that's a, and they do this daily? I mean, I don't know. There is not a prescription for how often it is required. I'm kind of thinking that this guy's a psychopath, so maybe I'm a daily But the yogurt served to replace the intestinal flora of the bowel creating what Kellogg claimed to be a squeaky clean intestine. Shut up. I'm thinking that, you know, a low protein, a lot of whatever, he'll be like, oh, you know what? I think I think you had an extra serving of protein today. I think you might need another enema. Might need an extra enema. Yeah, I think, you know, just grab that yogurt and go. Yeah, he was really into like, Is that nuts. where yogurt came from? <laughs> You're fired. Sanitary and visitors also engaged in breathing exercises and mealtime marches to promote proper digestion of food throughout the day. Um, because Kellogg was a staunch supporter of phototherapy, the sanitarium made use of artificial sun baths. Kellogg was a skilled surgeon who often donated his services to the indigent patients at his clinic. Although generally he was against unnecessary surgery to treat diseases, he highly advocated for circumcision as a remedy for local uncleanliness, stating that he felt that it led to unchastity and masturbation, especially in small boys. I'm sorry, what? So I think he was just giving away free circumcisions. Ideally is what I kind of gather, that he gave away circumcisions. I, I'm kind of thinking that if he's already down there doing that, then how come he isn't doing all of his other crap that he was like, oh, well, if I put this on, you won't masturbate. More importantly, I think this might actually be what you were talking about before. Maybe he is a pervert. Maybe he's like, yo, like, this is how I get to see, like, little boy weens. Okay. By because, getting, like, because, the poor kids to come in and get free because circumcisions. Because there's no, there's no actual test of him actually even doing the acid thing with girls. So, right now, it's only known that he did 
free circumcisions. He definitely did free circumcisions. So that's the only known fact that we have. Yeah. So many of the vegetarian foods that Kellogg developed and offered his patients were actually publicly marketed. Kellogg is best known for the invention of the breakfast cereal cornflakes. Along with his brother, Will Kellogg, his creation of the modern breakfast cereal changed the American breakfast landscape forever. John Harvey Kellogg developed and marketed a wide variety of vegetarian foods. Many of them were meant to be suitable for an invalid diet when they were intentionally made easy to chew and to digest. Starchy foods and grains were ground and baked to promote the conversion of starch to dextrin. Nuts were ground and boiled or steamed. The foods that Kellogg developed also tended to be bland. In this, Kellogg followed the teachings of Ellen G. White and Sylvester Graham of Graham Crackers, who recommended a diet of bland foods to minimize excitement, sexual arousal, and masturbation. So he made plain food to make sure that everyone has a plain life. So he is the polar opposite of Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Hillary Clinton, who thinks that you put hot sauce in everything because it revs you up in the day. This man says, no need for revving. No need for revving ever. He never wants to get his motor running. Now when his dick taped to his leg. <laughs> <laughs> quit. <laughs> Just quit. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was very vulgar. You can cut that out. I love you. I, I hate you. I think that I was love you. I too hate much. You. I think that was too much. Around 1877, John H. Kellogg began experimenting to produce a softer breakfast food, something that was easier to chew. He developed a dough that was a mixture of wheat, oats, and corn. He baked it at high temperatures and allowed it to cool and then broke it into crumbs. The cereal originally marked under the name granula, but this led to legal problems as James Caleb Jackson had already sold a wheat cereal under that name. So in 1881, under threat of lawsuit by Jackson, Kellogg changed the sanitarium cereal to the name Granola. Shut up. Grams? Granola? Coming up on cornflakes, people. It was initially used by the patients of the sanitarium, but slowly began to build up a following amongst former patients. And in 1890, John formed the Sanitist Food Company, to develop and market the food products that he used at the sanitarium. The Kellogg's are actually best known for their invention of the famous breakfast cereal cornflakes. So I'm about to talk about how <clears throat> cornflakes are made. It's not super interesting. I feel like it's time for a little missionary cornflake action. Well, it's not masturbation. So the Kellogg's are actually best known for the invention of the famous breakfast cereal cornflakes. The development of the flaked cereal in 1894 has been variously described by those involved ella eaton kellogg who was john harvey kellogg's wife as well as his younger brother will keith kellogg and other family members it is generally agreed upon that after being called out one night to the sanitarium john kellogg actually left a batch of wheat berry dough behind rather than throwing it out when he got back the next morning he sent it through rollers and surprisingly he found that he was able to f- obtain delicate flakes that could then be baked will kellogg was tasked with figuring out how how and what had happened and to try to recreate the process ella and will were often at odds and their versions of the story tend to minimize the other one's involvement. So basically, it's a story of like three people who knows what really happened that day. But I will tell you that at the end of the day, when the patent was filed for the flaked cereals and the process preparing same, when it was filed on May 31st, 1895, it was filed under a singular name. And that was John Harvey Kellogg. 
So he did not add either his wife or his brother to the patent. I'm not surprised. So, so Will later insisted that he, not Ella, had worked with John and repeatedly asserted that he should have received more credit than he was given for the discovery of the flaked cereal. During the first year of production, the Kellogg, uh, the Kellogg sold tens of thousands of pounds of flaked cereal, marketing it as Granos. They continued to experiment using rice and corn as well as wheat, and in 1898 released the first batch of Sanitas Toasted Corn Flakes. Uh, a modified version, which had a longer shelf life, was released in 1902. So his brother Will actually continued to develop and market flaked cereal. When he proposed adding sugar to the flakes, John would not agree to the change. So in 1906, Will started his own company, the Battle Creek Toasted Cornflake Company. This marked the start of a decades-long feud between the brothers. Will's Battle Creek Toasted Cornflake Company would eventually become the Kellogg Company, while John H. Kellogg would be denied the right to use the name Kellogg on any of his cereal. <laughs> Go Will. Right? Yeah, I like that. They had other competitors as well, including C.W. Post, who was actually treated at the Battle Creek Sanitarium at a certain point. So that means he actually ate those cereals. So That's whatever cool. ideas he came up with, like for grape nuts. Post. Post. Yeah. Post grape nuts. I like grape nuts. Yeah. And post toasties. Uh, John Harvey Kellogg was actually inducted to the National Inventors Hall of Fame in 2006 for the discovery of tempering and the invention of dry flaked breakfast cereal, which transformed the typical American breakfast. Absolutely. So time for... Robin's fun facts of the night. Fun facts. I'm not Robin. I'm no, Jen. No, but but I will still call it Robin's fun facts. So people who were treated at the Battle Creek Sanitarium. Let's go. Let's say Thomas Edison. Shut up. Let's say Henry Ford. Let's say Amelia Earhart. Shut up. Really? William Howard Taft. Holy shit. Yep. And Sojourn Truth. I uh. <sighs> So we're all talking those about were at the sanitarium. They were all at the Battle Creek Sanitarium. All these people had the cereal. All had enemas. They all had the enemas. <laughs> they were not allowed to masturbate. Serious business at the Battle it Creek actu- Sanitarium. It actually means a lot now. Right? Thinking about history a little bit. Yeah. So these are people who went there because they wanted to like feel better. They wanted to like get away and like, you know, get clean of like this like terrible city living. Yeah, but this was like rich and, and famous people went there. Yeah. Battle Creek Sanitarium was very famous during like the idea of like the sanitarium system. Because mm-hmm. this was like one of many. There, It was not the only sanitarium. They had all yogurt enemas. I, just, I know. Like, I just, understand. I just had a moment. Not difficult to swallow, but difficult to take. <laughs> Nobody enjoys a yogurt enema. And that is the story of the weird history of your breakfast cereal cornflakes and the kellogg company just another notorious narrative have a show idea send it on over to us along with any questions comments or corrections to notorious narratives at gmail.com you can follow us on our instagram at notorious narratives and twitter at notorious tales and don't forget to rate review and subscribe every review helps other listeners to find us thanks so much